Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. What's happening? How's it going? Pretty good. It's nice we to see you. It's nice <laughs> to see you too. I haven't seen you in person since we December. before we started working together, just before that. Yep. How about that? Maybe we'll tell that story in a little bit. My guest today will have two introductions. Let's go with professional first, if that's okay. Yes. Michelle Coopersmith is Senior Director and Financial Analyst at Scientific Games, formerly Scientific Games, now it's called Light and Wonder right here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Your work includes experience at EY, Caesars, Rocket Gaming, Rocket Gaming Systems, and Aristocrat. You're a graduate of the College of William and Mary in Virginia. I know about this place because my previous guest went there, but he didn't earn a bachelor's in accounting. He's a former senior pastor of Cannon Ridge Church. Oh, wow. So totally different degree <laughs> than different. you. Very different. We went yeah. on very different paths. But what is your degree? It says accounting and it says accounting and psychology. Yeah. Are those two separate things? Two separate. I have a, I'm a little bit of an overachiever. So I have a double major in psychology and accounting. Got it. Yeah. He's also a psych major at some point in his, his, his career. I'm talking about Kevin Oder. For those of you that might have heard that episode. So you're a CPA as well in mm-hmm. Virginia? Yep. And in college, you played competitive soccer and became a fitness instructor to keep up with your own fitness, uh, but specifically in spin and strength training. Yeah. After graduating, you started your career at EY and somehow managed to move to Hong Kong and live there and travel the world from there, from what Mm -hmm. I understand. Yep, that's true. So we'll get into some world travel talk in in a little bit here. Um, Intro number two, (laughs) how I really know you. (laughs) Michelle Coopersmith, ladies and gentlemen, is a three-hour, 11-minute marathon runner, Mm -hmm. an ultra runner, a running coach, and a mother of two. Uh, You did your first half marathon in Hong Kong. I want to hear about that one. And four years later, you ran your first full marathon. Since then, you've competed in five marathons, countless halves. You just won the Summerlin Half Marathon a couple days ago. Mazel tov. Thank you. Uh, countless 10Ks. You're a six-hour ultra. You'll tell me what that is. <laughs> and recently a 50-mile ultra, which I know a little bit of what that is. I'm training for my half marathon. You're telling me all this wonderful stuff. And then I open Facebook one day and see that you just finished 50 miles. <laughs> and I felt like, man, I got a lot of work to do. Uh, the 50-mile, you play second overall for female. And I'll add that uh, we just talked about the half marathon. You just decided, hey, this is going to be a fun run. Mm-hmm. You show up, you run, and you win yes. the female category. Yeah. All right. So welcome. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. It's weird hearing all of that read back to me. Like, oh, yeah, I did do all of that. So. You said you're an overachiever. So you I am did, a bit of an overachiever. Establish that right out of the gate. Yeah. So those are my words in your own words. Tell us who you are. Tell us what you do. Um, I am. I work in gaming for a gaming manufacturer here in Las Vegas, and I've spent a good chunk of my career in gaming, having moved, growing up in Virginia, going to school, starting work in Virginia, and then living in Asia for two years. After Asia, came back to, well, came to Las Vegas and started my gaming career. 
I identify as funny as you were saying all that. I do identify significantly more with like intro number two. Uh, I view myself as a runner and my entire life kind of circulates around running. So, yep, a marathoner. It's probably the most, uh, my most focused distance. Everything else, the 10Ks, the halves, even the ultras are more enjoyable. So for some reason, I'm very focused on my marathon time. Uh, so, yeah. 50 miles is the most I've run. Today. All right, let's talk about that one for yeah. a second. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I ran the six-hour one. So ultras are anything over a marathon. So 27 miles would be considered an ultra. Well, that's good to know. Yes. And I had run a couple marathons, and there was a six-hour race. I was like, well, like I could do that. I could walk, run it. It'd be fine. Let's just see. I'm always about, let's just see what I can do. What am I capable of? Other people seem to do it. And marathoners uh, and even half marathoners as you may or may not know are very like focused intense people like on the start line they're jumping up and down like checking all their gadgets you walk into like ultra marathoners and the majority are older people because it's older like like what age like 50s 60s 70s you get like a large variety of shapes sizes ages everything because they're truly they're just to see what they can do and have fun. It's very laid back. And I was like, oh, this is very unusual for me. Um, so hmm. six hours, you start, and it was a looped course through a Gilcrest orchard. So running like uh-huh. through the orchard. And I clocked, I think, 38 miles. So it's a time thing. It's six hours, yeah. So okay. was, Whatever it, you can do in that time. Yeah. And it was like cold and rainy. And after that, I was like, oh, maybe if I can do 38 miles. Maybe I could do 50 miles because then you start on your Facebook feed, you uh-huh. start seeing like it knows. And it was like, you need to start seeing more like ultra marathon races. So there's a 50 miler <laughs> down in Cornerstone Park in Henderson. And I don't like to ask people for help or favors. Most ultra running, you need like a crew, a van that follows you or somebody to meet you at the pit stops to help you with your gear, or water, or you have to carry everything yourself. So I was thinking, I don't want to ask anybody to help me. I don't want to like put anyone out. So if I do a loop course, I self support it. I can like bring my own stuff and my own shoes and worry about myself. So there's one down there and it's a hundred miler. They just set like an Olympic record on that course that same day. This woman ran, I don't know how many, how quickly she did it, but it's an Olympic record. And so I started like after her and 50 (laughs) 50 miles, eight hours later Here comes the overachiever. Yeah. So, yeah, I and then as soon as I finished, like that first thought is, well, if I do 50, like, could I Did do you off? really go right to that thought? It, yeah, because it's you're so happy you're done. You cross the finish line. You've just been waiting for that moment. And then it hits you like that's it. And then the very <laughs> next thought is, well, now what? Like, what do I do? What do I do next? And you, you might feel this like after your marathon. It's called like the marathon blues, which is maybe a week or two after where mm. it's such buildup. I mean, you've spent how many weeks? 16, 18 weeks training for this one thing and then it's done. So you immediately go like, oh, I need something to kind of like fill that void. But it's right, eight got, hours got, is a long time. I, I do have questions. We'll get to it about <laughs> what am I going to feel after the first half? Let's kind of rewind a bit and tell, mm-hmm. tell some folks how we came to start working together. So I turned 40 a couple years ago. I had a talk with myself. If I don't start getting active, I'll turn 50 and I'll be unhealthy, unfit. And that started a chain of things for me in getting fit. And I landed on running. Running was super easy, obviously. 
I don't have to make a special time to get to and from the gym. I don't need special equipment. Just need some shoes and off I go. Mm -hmm. So I started running. I started with the Nike Run Club app on my phone, which I started with years and years ago. It was still on my phone, so I opened it back up. But I discovered this time they have these things called guided runs on the app. So however long you want to run, actually the, the ones I started with, it's called first run. Then there's next run and then third run. Brilliantly named for your first, next, and third runs. They're 20 minutes, 22 minutes, and 24 minutes. And you're guided by the the head of Nike Global Running, Coach Chris Bennett. Mm -hmm. And he talks you through, like he's in your earphones, talking you through the run. And a lot of what I learned on there, I feel like, was good fundamental stuff. So fast forward, it was winter of 2020, December of 2020, our good friend Tanya Gottesman invited us both to a Hanukkah dinner at her house. Um, I had just run earlier that day the longest distance I've ever run, which was eight miles. And I'm generally doing all this on my own. I started working with this other guy. It didn't really click and didn't really work out as far as coaching because I did want to run a half marathon. And I don't think yet it came into my mind of running a full marathon, but certainly a half. And my wife started talking to you that evening and mm-hmm. We drive home. She's like, you got to talk to Michelle. She's a running coach. She knows what she's doing. So we started talking about you coaching me and you, you have been coaching me since then in running my first half marathon. So we started in December. My first half marathon that I ran and completed was February of this year. And leading up to the half marathon, I already knew I would want to try a full marathon. So we did actually have a conversation about that leading up to it. And then I ran it. I had blues after running a half marathon mm-hmm. for like two weeks. I didn't run at all, yeah. even though on my little training calendar, you said you have to do these runs and mm-hmm. I didn't do any of them. <laughs> That's normal. And I didn't want to. <laughs> it took me two weeks to get back and I did. And now I'm training for a full marathon and you're coaching me through that. Yeah. Yeah. When I met your, when your wife started talking, anybody who wants to talk about running, <laughs> I'm like, all in as soon as I see like that opening in the conversation where we can like talk (laughs) about it and it's not like I don't want to tell anybody like what I do I just want to hear what they're doing like what are you training for what are your races what's your race plan like what did she say I wasn't a part of this conversation at at all all. Um, I didn't even know you guys talked about it until we were on the way home already she I don't remember the full conversation but she did bring up that you were training for a half and I said, oh, that's amazing. Um, what's his training schedule? Because I know with kids and a spouse, it gets very complicated. And she said you were working with a coach, but it wasn't enough for you, to paraphrase. Uh, and I was like, oh, like I do running. If he has any questions, just reach out. Like, you know, just in case, because I didn't know your relationship with your coach, but it's all I want to do and all I want to talk about. <laughs> so anybody who wants to talk about it with me, I was like all for it. And that was kind of it. It was just more me being like super excited. Anybody who's going to start running, it's like, oh, good. Like another person to join my little like crazy world. Well, let's go back to the beginning of your crazy world. You ran your first half marathon in Hong Kong. Did you mm-hmm. start running when you moved to Hong Kong? I have always run. I Through soccer, I would join like their cross country team. I would join the track team. But I never would compete in any sort of races. So after... High school and cross country and track kind of over. In college, I would just go out like on the weekends and run for the sake of running. Same with and uh, when I started my professional career, waking up in the morning, just going for a run. It was just like to stay in shape, keep fit, keep sane. And then when I was in Hong Kong, 
a handful of the people I worked with, Ernst Young would sponsor any runners who wanted to run the full or the half Hong Kong marathon. And it's like the big marathon in all of Asia. So uh, I'm a little frugal. So I was like, well, you know what? Like maybe if I don't have to pay for it, I won't feel bad if I like don't do it or can't do it. And that was it. But the whole time I'm freaking out because I'm not a, <laughs> as I just get stuck in my head with what if you don't do well? What if you're slow? What if you're the last one? So me. Are you the only for, one that that happens to? Uh, probably. I don't think so. Probably. <laughs> I really don't think so. <laughs> so, yeah. So Hong Kong, that was my first one. I didn't even have a watch, like very unprepared. So no, tr- no. Uh, running watch I remember on the course asking somebody like what time like how long have we been running (laughs) so yeah and then when I finished that one and realized like I could do it and was faster than I thought I would be I kind of like kept up with the running but not racing until after I had my first kid all right so that was a spread of time yeah um so after Max my oldest he's 11 now he was two I signed up for a half Another half, just again, if I have like a goal and train towards this goal, just to see where I am. And then after that, myself and a girlfriend we were like, we should run the rock and roll like full. It's something like I've always wanted to do. So started training for that. So you're that. back in Vegas. Back in Vegas, yes. Yeah. So we moved here. So maybe like three years in Vegas, finally ran the rock and roll marathon on the strip. Did you have a watch that time? I did. So oh, that's good. <laughs> I did. I bought a Garmin watch, which I, is the only watch I'll run with now. But yeah, it was funny. I used to just go and run off a of feel, not worrying about my time. Just like I would map, use map my run like mm-hmm. in primitive stages and be like, okay, this is like an eight mile. So just go like no, no awareness of like my splits or my pace or now I look back and I'm just like, oh, you did it like all wrong. Like just don't do that. Like if you're going to train for something, like train properly. If you're just going to go out to enjoy the weather and the run, then go watch list. But yeah. Everything like I tell my clients is all really from like my mistakes, like really screwing it up for so many years. So you mentioned your son, Max, and you have a daughter as well. I do. I have a daughter, Reagan. He'll be nine on May 8th, Mother's Day. We've been waiting. She, for some reason, like when she was three, put together that Mother's Day and her birthday would fall when she turned nine on the same day. So this is like, really? yes, wow. this is like the biggest birthday ever in her eyes. Cause we get to share the day. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Yes. She's very sweet. And you talked about earlier how you shared your moment this past Sunday after you won the half marathon. Yes. She, the half marathon runs by my house. So our sitter came to watch them while I was running and brought her down to like mile four that mile marker. And so she's like cheering me on because she's never really seen me run before. Neither of my kids have seen me like compete in races. And then uh, our sitter dropped her off after the race. I was called and said, hey, I have to stay for the award ceremony. So Reagan loves it. She loves being on the podium. She like immediately will put, I hate the medals. I get like, I don't want to be in that kind of, (laughs) I don't want pictures. I'm very like, "Ah, I'm good. I'm ready to go home. That's funny. But she's like all about it. So like, She's like, can I come on the podium with you? And I said, of course you can. So we waited and she gets to hold. And then she puts everything in a room. Like she wants to save like the <laughs> shirt, the medal, like every medal I've ever She's president had. of your fan club. <laughs> she is. She totally is. So yeah, she loves it. So you mentioned on your post where you talked about how you ran the half marathon, that this is a kickoff run for something that you're training for. Yeah. What are you training for? Um, I am training for the St. George Marathon at the beginning of October. So... Full. I try and do at most one full a year, and 
I tried to get into New York, but too late to sign up, so missed that cutoff. And this is a great race. I ran it last year, and it's easy, it's drivable, I'm all about convenience. So just that training will kick off May 1st, so I have an extra long training cycle this time, just for a little bit more what we call base building, which you know of. No, I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning yes. all these terms, base splits. Mm-hmm. What was the other thing you said earlier? Tempo. Tempo. We'll get into more yeah. more of that. All our jargon. What's your goal for this? I so I PR'd at this race last year. Another one. Year. Personal record. Personal uh-huh. record, yes. Personal record. Is how's that different than than P B? It's the same. same. I think thing. it's the same. Personal best. I think yeah. so too. Personal best, so. personal record. I've seen them both. I feel like P B is more of a European thing, maybe. Oh. Maybe. But personal record or personal best at so this you PR'd at three eleven. So you want to beat that? I would like to beat that, yeah. And there's always things like lessons learned, and this is more of a downhill. Which in my mind at the time I was like, oh, that should be way easier. But it like tears up your quads if you're not training specifically for downhill. So I have to incorporate more of that. And my fueling is always off, so working on that as well. <laughs> yeah. Hills are my spirit animal. They are. Yep. I have um, one of the things. So I'm training for a full and you populated my my Google document training calendar. And I read in one of the notes that on my long runs, you want me to incorporate a hill because there's a hill at mile 21. I'm like, what is she talking about? And I'm like, did she go and look at the course that I'm training for? <laughs> she did. She, I'm, and just, like you talked, there's always lessons learned. Yeah. In my mind, I'm running another thing like I just ran here in February, but yeah. it's totally different. It's in San Diego. It's not the Las Vegas Strip. It's not flat. So I went and looked, and yes, there are elevations. There's some up. There's some down. So I've been training hills, Mm -hmm. and I hate hills. Mm -hmm. I I used to hate hills. Now they're my spirit animal. It's true. That's where that comes from. So this show is called Takeaways, and it's about my takeaways from people who have influenced me. And I ask everybody, what has been the single most influential thing or event in your life that shaped you the most? I would say it is my experience in Hong Kong. Um, I've never been a very confident person internally. Like, outwardly, people would never guess, but I do struggle with confidence internally. So being dropped in a country where I'm definitely the minority, I don't speak the language, I don't know anything, and figuring out how to make this like a life that I enjoy made me grow like 10 times more than any other experience I've ever had. Just realizing that I could be myself and people like me. I can make friends with all types of people, have great experiences, learn so much about like other cultures, travel the world. Just it made me like like who I was and be a bit more confident in myself and bring that with me on my next journey. So if you can ever put yourself in a situation where you've just got to kind of figure it out, like nobody's going to help you, nobody's going to like hold your hand and guide you through it, you kind of just have to struggle. And like peaks and valleys, right? Like I remember calling my mom every day for three months just being like, this is awful. I hate this. Like I want to come home. Like nobody talks to me. Nobody invites me to lunch. Like I can't <laughs> even figure out how the metro works. And, you know, she's like, just give it some time. Like give it some time. And she was right. Like when it was time for me to go, I remember telling my boss, cause it was during the recession. So they were sending home all the expats Ernst and Young was. And I said, I have to leave early, like three months and like, just like tears. It was so sad to go. I loved it there. It was just, it was so much fun. Like, just like a carefree life with like, 
people I loved who genuinely like we got along. So how did you get to go there? So at the time I was dating somebody who was also at Ernst and Young and he was asked to move to Hong Kong. And then we kept dating long distance. And a year later, like I got to transfer as well. So Ernst Young, it's great to work for a global company sometimes. Lots of experiences. Sounds like it. Yeah. What do you remember? Was there something that changed that went from mom, this is horrible to you're bawling your eyes out because you have to leave? Yeah, I think it was just um, I made more of an effort. Right. I I guess I was so used to you grow up with people and then you go to college and you still kind of have like everybody has something in common. Right. We all used to play soccer this way or we all like spent summer at like the beach in Virginia Beach. There's always like a connection when you're thrown into Hong Kong. Like, there wasn't much there, so I really had to work for it. And, like, it made me start asking, like, tons of questions and really kind of, like, drag information out of people to make a connection and just ask people to do things, like, go out or, hey, I'm going to go do this. Do you want to come? And I, that made me open up and be a bit more of an extrovert, which I struggle with. And just growing in general, I think, that experience just taught me that, to rely on like myself and put myself out there without like, if they don't want to go out, that's okay. And not be like offended by it. So, but it worked out. For you know, the irony of that is you struggle being an extrovert and mm-hmm. had to work at that and put yourself out there and ask people, I'm going to go do this. Do you want to come too? Yeah. They're probably struggling with the same thing. And you asking them was, was likely a relief. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Not funny how that works. Mm hmm. So you mentioned earlier your favorite topic to talk about is yourself. Yes, 100%. Which which we have been so far. (laughs) We're being sarcastic if you guys didn't pick up on that. But really your favorite thing to talk about is running. Yeah, I do love it. So let's shift into the takeaways portion of this and talk about running. How's that sound? That sounds good. It's my favorite topic. I'm at most ease talking about something (laughs) broad and generic like running. It's really not generic. Running. It's yeah. Well, we're gonna get really person, specific. Though. Yeah, most people think it's very, like you said, like you just put on a pair of shoes, low barrier of entry, and go for a run. Or like you did, uh, not worry about splits or yeah. this. Or I generally know it's eight miles, and mm-hmm. I'll do that. But it, it's really so much more. Yes. One of the first things for me before working with any coach, just um, you know, putting on the Nike app and listening to Coach Bennett and just going for a run that struck me is how much running parallels life and success. So in so many ways. So, uh, the first year I was running in 2020, I wrote like, uh, internal emails. We do a daily thought here. And I wrote a lot of them around that topic, how life, how running parallels life and success. So I've got a few of those, but what I'd like to do is as we talk about the other stuff, the other things I've learned from you that we didn't necessarily, I didn't think about or write about paralleling. Let's look for a parallel because yeah. I think it's in there with pretty much everything. Um, different types of runs. Mm-hmm. There are different types of runs. Yeah. What are they? Well, um, everybody thinks they have one pace. They just go out and run and that's enough. And that will get you whatever goal pace you want, whatever distance you want. In reality, we have multiple paces and we use them to okay, train. Can I interject before we go into multiple paces? My yeah. guess is people think that they're that one pace is fast. Yes. Go out and 
run and I'm huffing and puffing and that's what running is. Yes. It's, I want to run a 10 miler with 10 minute miles. So every run I do, I have to run 10 minute miles. That's the only way. And that's actually the wrong way to do it. So we have easy pace, which as a marathoner, we spend most of our time at easy pace and easy pace could be decided, defined two ways, either using heart rate. So 75% of your max heart rate or lower or on like what we call an RPE scale, run, uh, rate of perceived exertion, it'd be like a three or a four. So it, and that's that's completely how you feel. Your rate, you're rating yourself. Yes. So if like ten is like an all out sprint, and one is you just sitting on like the couch, it'd be like a three four. So theoretically, something you could hold, like a pace you could hold for three, four, five hours. Something. That's easy pace. That's easy pace. All right. Yeah. And then what we have after easy pace, you get into when you start running more races, your race paces. So after easy pace would come your marathon pace, which truly is just like a step up from easy pace. And then so like a four or five on the rate of perceived exertion scale. After marathon pace, you get to half marathon pace. And then you get to something called tempo pace which I think is the worst pace ever because <laughs> it's the pace that you truly switch between aerobic and anaerobic. So aerobic is more cardio focused, like your easier pace, a little bit more relaxed work. Anaerobic is like a full out sprint. So the tempo pace is supposed to be on that borderline. And the more that you can run at tempo pace for longer, that's where you'll get your speed for marathon training. That's where you'll like start to see like your gains and your speed. So tempo pace, so a pace that you could hold all out for between 20 and 40 minutes, maybe 45. So depending on if you're a beginner, the elites would probably be able to hold this pace for like 45, 50 minutes. Most, let's talk about just most runners. Most runners. So 35 to 40 would be so, great. So you're holding this pace, mm-hmm. which is a six or a seven on your yep. exertion. Yep. For 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah. Most normal people will run total for 30 to 40 uh-huh. minutes. But they're not training for a marathon. Right. But yeah. I'm, putting it, I'm putting it into context oh. because here's, I'm now a running expert, yeah. as, as you know. Yeah. I'm really not. But because I'm, I've been running and I've been so public about it, I have a lot of conversations with people about running. And most people will do what I just talked about. Yeah. They're running at this pace that's not sustainable Mm -hmm. and they they can only get to a certain distance 30 to 40 minutes is um like three four miles basically depending yep i mean it could be a little more a little less and they can't understand why they can't get past that distance and this is this is it ladies and gentlemen this is why yes because you're killing yourself yeah if you so the paces i'm talking about and the, the um the time that i'm focused on like the 30 to 40 minutes at tempo those are specifically for your longer runs. So if you're training for a half marathon, maybe you're doing a tempo run for 40 minutes, but that's a little excessive. It's more like marathon-based because if you're running for three-plus hours, you should be able to hold your tempo pace between 30 and 40 minutes. But if you just want to be like super fast on a 30-minute run, then you need a very different training plan. So, and the and the thirty minute runs can be different runs on different days based on what you're doing. You correct. can have thirty minute easy runs. Yes. So it depends on. So 
how you set up your week is very dependent on what your goal is. And not everyone's goal is to run a marathon or a 5K or any, any race. They, maybe they just want a really fast mile time. So you first have to figure out, like, what is your goal? And that could be anything from, I just want to run for 30 minutes. And then once you have your goal, you start kind of working backwards to figure out what are, what do I need to do to accomplish that goal? And what's your goal for marathon training? Your training plan would look very different than somebody who's training for like a half or a 5K. So it's good. That's why it's kind of good to work with a coach if this Mm -hmm. is all new to you or actively research varying training plans and read blogs and things like that. So you know how to structure your week for your goal specifically. So this was um, one of the things that Coach Bennett drills in on those guided runs, the first run, the next run, the third run, is the importance of running easy. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're starting out any run is to run easy, like you can hold a conversation and not overexerting yourself at the beginning. Or like we're talking about, not every run you have to overexert yourself and hate it and hurt yourself. So where's the parallel to life? On Um, paces. On paces to life. Well, you can't go hard every single day, (laughs) every single hour. That leads to burnout. Yeah, it leads to burnout. You have to have a balance. That's why, you know, you'll put in 40 miles a week or more some weeks if you're training for a marathon and you can't do all 40 miles at a crazy, ridiculous fast pace because you know... Or all on one day. Or all on one day because you need recovery, right? And that's something a lot of new runners and experienced runners don't put into like their training plan is a dedicated day off and a day off is not strength training it's not a hot yoga class it's truly like hang around do nothing like take the dog on like a very easy walk at most but stretch like your body needs full time to recover and like a full day to recover i have a whole least. page of things but because you said it let's yeah. jump <laughs> we'll just jump around okay and have some fun with this you talk you just said rest and recovery yeah is rest the same as recovery can they be different? I think they're different. I think I think rest is a dedicated time or day where you are truly not doing anything. Like full rest, watching Netflix, putting your feet up. I've read a lot of biographies of like elite uh, Ironmen, Iron Women, and elite athletes where really when you're a professional athlete, you have a morning run, you have an afternoon run, and the rest of the day you're doing nothing. You're truly just sitting around. Does that sound like a dream to you? It does. It's truly <laughs> like, it's my goal. That is my goal to be a professional runner. <laughs> because they can't, like, you can't be pounding your body and they are pounding their body on those dedicated workouts. So in between, they've got to just chill and relax, put their feet up. And I think that recovery is when you're a bit more active about it. You're foam rolling, you're doing more stretching, maybe you're going on a light jog to like, you know, recovery runs where you're, mm-hmm. it's a very easy pace, slower than your easy pace. And just to like shake out your muscles. Wait a minute. There's an easier than easy. There's a recovery phase. I forgot. The recovery phase. <laughs> After like a long run. I don't know if you like told me about that run. one. Maybe you did. Yeah, we are not using it as much in your training. I'm not plan. there yet. That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a mile, two mile, like slow jog, walk run, even mm-hmm. where it's you've maybe heard a shakeout run, something like that, where you're just like yeah. you're not getting the miles in. It's really just to like loosen up your body, get your blood flowing. To help you recover faster. So, so I last, think recovery is a little bit different than rest. Last emphasis on this pace thing. Train mm-hmm. fast on hard days. Go easy on easy days. Yeah. That's a prescription for life. You uh, Let's zoom. Let's go back a bit. We talked about heart rate. 
Mm-hmm. Heart rate. Um, so in January, you got on my case pretty hard after a run. I was supposed to do an easy run. I went too fast. Mm-hmm. This led us into a discussion about max heart rate and zone two heart rates. Yeah. What are those? So usually for, if you're training, some people train solely based off of heart rate and other people will go off of feel or they're so keyed into their paces from running races. They know this is my half marathon pace. This is my tempo pace. So when you use a heart rate monitor zone two, which is usually around 75% or lower where your easy pace is. The reason that you focus on your heart rate, if you're using a heart rate monitor, is because that's like your telltale sign. Like you can go off a of field, but sometimes your brain will kick in and be like, oh, no, that's too slow. Yesterday you went a little bit faster. But your heart rate won't lie. So if it's hot outside, you've got to take that into consideration because your heart will be beating faster. Like if you're going up and down hills, it will impact oh, your the heart hills. rate. Oh, the hills. Yeah. So Love the hills. If you're training in an easy <laughs> pace and you're using your heart rate monitor, it will key you into staying in zone two which might mean you're going 30 seconds slower every mile than you did two days ago. It's truly like an ultimate like equalizer taking into all the external factors. So calculating zone two, there's a form. It's like based on your age. Yeah. Generally. So easy one is like 220, take your age, 220 minus your age, and that will give you your max heart rate. There are other ones that are a bit more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. The best thing is you can do like a max heart rate, test on like a treadmill where you're running and they're calculating it for you. Uh, but that's kind of the best way. And then zone two is a percentage of that. Zone two. Yeah. Different schools of thought. I always think like 75%, 60 to 75% is within your zone two, maybe getting into your zone three. So if somebody is very keyed into, I have to run in this box of numbers, mm-hmm. that's a great way to do it rather than pace. If, especially if you're using a different, route and there's more hills you know it's going to be a little bit harder so through your head you might like get really discouraged because uh, yesterday i ran like 10 minute miles and today i'm at like 10 15 mm-hmm. and you didn't take into consideration anything. yeah it's very frustrating so it's easier it's like, for oh, somebody I'm, like that heart rate i'm getting worse at this yeah <laughs> um yesterday i texted you after my 16 mile run mm-hmm. flowers and candles yeah did you catch that reference i did not that's from you <laughs> You should be inhaling as if you're smelling uh. <laughs> flowers and exhaling as if you're blowing out candles. Mm-hmm. It's right. It's the only way to calm yourself down. So that really, that's the only way to control your heart rates. Uh-huh. And that tells the rest of your body what to do. To calm down. Yeah. I'm finding more and more on my runs that I am, uh, it's, it's not so much move my feet that I'm thinking about. It's controlling my breath. Yeah. It's right. Which is a lot of concentration. Mm -hmm. But that, so once, like, when you're running, the first thing the body does is, like, completely stress out. Like, everything hurts. (laughs) I want to stop. Why am I doing that? It's just like. How long does it take you before your body's like, all right, we're going to do this run? A mile. You're a mile? Yeah. I'm between mile, like, 2.2 and 2.5. It's, that's, then it's like, fine, we'll do it. Yes, exactly. I'm always like, if you can just get through 20 minutes, mm-hmm. if you really hate this, then stop. That's my like, and I have, I've called it before. I'm just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not in the mood. I don't blah, 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 whatever, but I'll call it. But a common saying is you can't trust the first mile. And that's a good one. Yeah. And that's truly because <laughs> you don't want to do it. It sucks. Everything's like painful. It was nice on the couch or whatever. You just ate a burrito. Who knows? But yeah, you got to push through. It's truly more 
mental than physical, I think, especially in the endurance races, if you can calm yourself down, everything just kind of becomes a little bit more, like, incrementally easier. I mean, don't get me wrong, it still sucks. Like, mile 16 sucks. Like you said, the last half mile of your run was... Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. It's hard. And if you can just calm yourself down, you get, you can get like another quarter of a mile and you're like, okay, well now I only have like a little bit left now. It's like, just run the mile you're in, right? Like just get to the next mile marker. So if you can calm yourself down, Mm -hmm. everything's easier. That's what you just said. And we're talking about breath and heart rate. (laughs) And here we go. That's the tie in. Yeah. I came in through the side door on yeah, that one. Yeah, you did. It was a sneak attack. <laughs> no, it was, yeah. Literally true. everything has a parallel. Yeah, it does. It totally does. You talked about running the mile you're in. Mm-hmm. That's the title of a book. It is. Someone gifted it to me during the holidays. Is that by um, Ryan... What's his name? Ryan Hall? Maybe. Do you remember this book? Oh. I don't remember. It's in my backpack. Oh. If you want me to get it. That's okay. Uh, that's another good saying. Run the mile you're in. That's a parallel to life, too. That's a parallel to life. Yeah. I'm really good at this. It's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, you can't screw this up. No. <laughs> in running, the race is against yourself. Mm-hmm. Or is it? It is. It always is. I think running races with other people is great because there's someone else to focus on, someone to catch, someone to pass. But it's truly, I think, a mental game with yourself. And everyone's out there for their own reason. And yes, you might want to compete against them, but you're truly just trying to better yourself and... If I come in first, great. But if I come in like 18th, but I went faster or I ran the Or like in my case, I finished. Or you fin, Yeah. I mean, whatever it is. Like, yeah. As long as you're improving yourself, Mm -hmm. that's always the goal. Another parallel to life. Also, one of the things I say, it's like these runs aren't going to run themselves. I'm training for a half marathon. I have to get these miles in. I have to do the tempo runs. I have to do the easy runs. I have to do this. And there's no getting around it. Mm-mm. It's one, it's grounding. Two, it's like a, an exercise in being present, which is beyond a buzzword at this point in, in life and self-help. Yeah. But you are, that's it, one foot in front of the other. These runs aren't going to run themselves. Once you're on a run, the only way to end the run is to, fin- is to complete the run yeah. and finish it. Yeah. And if you stop, you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. There's no oh, but I got halfway done or I did three quarters. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The, ra- the race is against yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm very clear with all of my clients. And even with you, when we started, this is what your weekends are going to look like. This is your yeah. long run. <laughs> like the stuff in during the week is you can do it. You've done it. But just so you know, this is a huge time commitment. So you're talking about when I went from completing the half marathon, yeah. training for that to now I'm going to run a marathon. Yes. And, and <laughs> I love it. I'm all for it. I'm just very cautious with anybody. Like, you added, you can do it. Yes. And then you. Just so you know. <laughs> just, I don't know what your summer plans are, but you Forget will have them. like a 20 mile run and then you'll have a 16 mile run and just make sure this is not something you can, you can kind of half-ass kind of a half marathon. You cannot half-ass a marathon. So you have to prepare. You have Say to Say that again. It. You can kind of half-ass a half marathon. Yeah but you can't half-ass a marathon. Correct. You got to I'm learning. I am learning that. Yeah. I have a friend who, similar to me, is going to be turning 40. And he said for his birthday, he wants to run a marathon. <laughs> he bought shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and man, we have a group WhatsApp. And I'm just like, if this guy doesn't start, it's, not, <laughs> it's just not going to happen for yeah, him. Yeah, it's not going to happen. He doesn't know. You say that. 
I want to run a marathon and you know, people that have run and you probably compare yourself to them physically and you're like, well, if they did it, I could mm-hmm. certainly do it. But it's really the next one here. It's the point is not getting from A to B. It's about the run itself. Yeah. And right now I feel like, you know, come June 5th, I'm going to run the marathon. I will likely complete it. And it's really not the point. This is the point. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I just ran 16 miles yesterday. I am all sorts of sore in places I've never been sore <laughs> before and tender. And I've got my running gear here because I have a three mile run today uh-huh. and I have to do those things. Yeah. And I got to hand it to you. You always amaze me. I'm a morning runner. I am not. And you are not. <laughs> but I love usually waking up to the text of whatever the workout was, your screenshots and some like funny comment at the end. And I'm always thinking <laughs> like, I am so impressed that he got out at 9 p.m. and like finished this, did this. When we first started working together, I just assume everyone's a morning runner because I am. And I was like, I guess he's not doing the runs. Like, why would why like, should I follow up? What's the, and then I just realized, no, no, he just does them when it's dark and no one else is out two, there. I have two comments for the half marathon. I was skipping here and there <laughs> and you did have to check on me. And you know, one of the reasons to work with a coach is that accountability. Someone is checking on you. It's one thing for me to you know, make excuses for myself and then justify them in my mind. It's another thing when there's someone that I have to hold myself to account to. And it's Mm -hmm. a lot harder. The other thing, when I went from turning 40, being in the worst shape I've ever been in and knowing I had to do something, I created this urgency for myself. It was incredibly hard to get into anything, anything. I mean, we had a Peloton in the house, just getting on that thing. Um, getting to the, whatever it was, it was so hard mentally. It's like lifting a car. I'm I can't lift a car. I can't get back to a routine. It's just not going to happen. And I found that for me, for me and my personalities, there's some form of gamification that's needed and specifically around those accountability things. If Mm -hmm. I don't record it on my app, the OCD thing clicks into my brain. If I don't send you now the screenshot, which started somewhere along the line, it's like it didn't happen. Yeah. So those things for me work. And guess what else started happening? I've got these long runs, as you know, Mm -hmm. they take two hours to three hours. So I've got a a lot of time on my hands. I've been listening to audiobooks. So Mm -hmm. David Goggins book was one of them. He talks a lot about this stuff. I just listened to Atomic Habits, Mm -hmm. which all of this stuff is in there. (laughs) So a lot of uh, more parallels to life and running. Is that what you, on those runs that you're listening to I started books? to, yeah. Probably three weeks ago, maybe, I want to say. So I listened to all of David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. I listened to uh, Living with a Seal, which mm-hmm. is a book about the this guy, businessman from New York, who's married to the woman who created Spanx, yeah. who had David Goggins come live with him for 30 days. I listened to 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing, 22 Immutable Laws of Branding, which I'm halfway through. I just re-listened to The Motive uh-huh. by Patrick Lencioni. I'm, I am, this Look at is you another educating thing. yourself. Telling, multitasking. Is, it's, uh, it's in Atomic Habits. You're, con- you're compounding your habits by mm-hmm. combining one habit with another one. Yeah. I'm not just getting incredibly fit. I'm getting incredibly smart, too. Yeah, you are. Look at you. Check that out. <laughs> Marathon training is not a weight loss program. Yeah. This one is. This I, one was surprising, I have to admit. So you sent me some of these. You sent me a lot of this. I compiled from our texts and emails that you've mm-hmm. sent me. 
this one and a few of the next ones are specifically from your email titled Marathon Training Tips. Yeah. This one is now maybe not relevant to you, but I've worked with a handful of people and also like myself, like when I first started getting into it. I would say very relevant to me. Yes. It was like, I read that. I was like, oh, right. Because I'm likely to think, okay, I'm training for this marathon. Now's the time to like really get in shape. And yeah, but the term weight loss program, Mm -hmm. I think was critical for me. Yeah. It's, you can't, if your goal is to lose weight, training for a marathon is probably not the answer. Um, weight loss is something that is more, I think, holistic. It's not going to be cured by just running a lot more. To properly run, you have to properly like fuel your body. And runners, our bodies need a lot of carbs. So, And simple carbs, nonetheless. Candy, Pop-Tarts, um, <laughs> gel packs, Things that, as, especially as parents, you're like, do not eat that. That's not healthy food. That's processed. But that's what we need to keep going. That's what our muscles need are simple carbohydrates. So I'm very clear up front with my athletes when they start, when we're introducing ourselves to one another, tell me what their goals are, and they kind of slip into, and if I lost five pounds, I think that'd be, <laughs> that, that wouldn't hurt either. And it's like red flags where, so just so you know, you might even gain weight on this program because... You're eating more because your body's requiring you to I eat am. More. I'm actually four pounds heavier than yeah. where I was before I started running. And it's normal because you're also building muscle. You might be um, retaining extra water if you're like using a lot of salt products. After a marathon too, you might like drop a couple pounds because you've lost all that water weight and then you put it back on. It's you can't trust the, the scale. scale doesn't matter. No, right it now. doesn't. Because you no. don't I mean, as long as you feel good and fit and you're properly fueling yourself, then that should be your goal. So if you want to run a marathon, your goal's the marathon. It's not to also kind of lose five pounds. Like that, you'd probably want to speak to like a nutritionist or somebody who could help you figure out like a whole meal plan. So in running the marathon of life, yeah. proper fueling is important. Very important. And so is rest yeah. and recovery. Uh-huh. See, I'm telling you. <laughs> what does proper fueling look like? Yeah, this is actually my area of improvement net needed. Like this, I cannot. So I shouldn't listen to anything you're about to say. Yeah, I. What's funny is like for a couple years I'll have it dialed in. I'll do a great job, and then then like I change, or I'm like, oh, I don't like the taste of that fuel anymore, or that happens. Whatever, and mm-hmm. then I'm like starting back at the beginning again. Um, I so proper fueling is making sure that you're eating enough carbohydrates before your runs. So for the longest time, I was what we call a fasted runner. I, I run in the morning. I start at 5 a.m. The thought of like eating anything, just like, oh, that sounds awful. A year ago, I had a friend and he was saying, you really need to eat something like you. These are all the mm-hmm. amazing reasons why your body needs. What's your body pulling from? What like stored fuel is it pulling from at five in the morning? So I was like, okay, so now I eat a Nutrigrain bar before I run. And it's like a world of difference. Like I actually have energy to pull from. My runs are a little bit faster. I feel better. I'm not like as lethargic as I go throughout my day. So even like a simple change like that, like something small with some carbohydrates, a little bit of protein if you can, very little. So most people do like oatmeal or bagel with peanut butter or toast and peanut butter, something like that. And then um, making sure throughout the day, really just listen to your hunger cues, which as we get older, I feel like we all kind of don't listen to. Mm -hmm. But focusing a lot on carbs and 
I'm a big proponent of after your workout, you definitely need protein within 30 to 60 minutes after. So chocolate milk, which I know you enjoy. Protein <laughs> no, you shake. told me that yeah. so one, one day after a run. What's funny, and you said this, and it's so true, you go on a long run, mm-hmm. and the last thing you want to do after is eat anything, mm-hmm. which is odd. I would think you'd be ravenous after, but you're, you're not. And one, you said chocolate milk. Yeah. So I came home after a run. I opened the refrigerator. I saw the kids' chocolate milk. You know, those little single pack ones. I open it, pour it into a glass. I remember you said protein. So I put a scoop of protein in there. And I don't know, months and months ago, we bought like a peanut butter powder, which oh I haven't God, really I used. It. So I put, fit? Oh, it's amazing. I put two <laughs> spoons of that in there. And it was the most delicious thing I ever had in my life. Yeah. It's needed. It, so back to recovery. You are pushing. Not a weight loss no, drink, not, by the way. No, totally not. But you are expending so much energy. You're pulling like glycogen from all parts of your muscle. It needs to be replenished. And you got to get it in sooner than later. And I'm the same. Like when I'm done with the long run, like I don't want anything. I just like I like feel kind of gross and I just want to lay there. I don't want to eat anything. But I have when I make myself do it have a protein drink or something afterwards the recovery time is so much faster than if i don't like i've done 20 mile runs and then not eaten for like two hours and for some reason in the afternoon like i'm just ravenous like i need to eat everything in sight if i have the protein shake after my workout i then like can resume a normal eating plan Mm -hmm. and my body feels better i'm able to like move around more do things with my kids it's just, it's funny how like those types of small changes will impact the rest of your day. You, you sent me something about if you start fueling while your body is already tired, this is fueling during a run. Yeah. If you start fueling while your body is already tired, the fuel won't have an impact because your body will be too stressed to consume the nutrients efficient, efficiently. Mm-hmm. It's very true. Yeah. Mind blowing. That right? was mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. It's like keeping your tank full, right? Yeah. Like you can't be on E. It's so much harder to work when you have nothing. And then, but even like, so you're, you're coming from behind. So I'm mm-hmm. on, I have nothing. I'm going to fuel and your body's just not responding to it. Like yep. it should, as if you, it, as opposed to if you did it proactively, Yeah, it gets there when the fuel gets to your body, when it needs it and you keep going. This is the, the wall. This is bonking. Oh, tell so, me about the wall. Yeah. The wall. And this is, Again, like, as I said, fueling is like a huge needs improvement for me. And so I struggle with the wall. And it's really fueling every 30, 30 ideally, 45 minutes at worst case. If you're doing a long run, every 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you should take a gel pack, something with carbohydrates, like 25 grams of carbohydrates. And that could be from candy, any source that you want it from. So if you skip those fuel sessions during your run and you end up with nothing, that's when you hit the wall because you have, so your body will pull from those energy sources, all those simple sugars it pulls from to keep your muscles going. If there's nothing left to pull from, that's when it will start taking like muscle and other things from your body. And it's not enough to keep it going. So it kind of just like stops working. Like you're just running on fumes at that Mm -hmm. point. And then you're so far in, if you're like, oh, I'll take the gel pack now. Well, your system's already kind of like stopped. It's not expecting it. So if it's not expecting, it's not going to use it. So it's about like, you know, feeding the beast, if you will, like a little bit at a time to keep it moving. So when you hit the wall is when you're really like out of any sort of sugars for your body, carbohydrates for your body to pull from. You talked about as adults, we ignore our hunger cues. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, you're a, you're a working professional woman. You're a mother of two. Um, there's a huge parallel to what you just said about feeding the beast proactively Mm -hmm. before your body stops expecting it, stops working as far as how this conversation parallels to life. Yeah. Huge one. I feel like there's more, there's more in this. (laughs) You know, we, we wake up, we alarm goes off. The chaos of the day has already started. Got to get the kids out the door, make sure they're okay. Their clothes are on. They've got their breakfast, their school stuff. Who's taking them? I'm taking them. You're taking them. How are they going to get there? I have a meeting to go to. Don't have breakfast. Get to the office. Water, coffee, just to keep myself Mm -hmm. going. It's not really nutritious. Mm -mm. Run through the day. Get to lunch. Forgot I didn't bring lunch. Do I order lunch? It's like one o'clock. I need to eat lunch. I'm working off of fumes. I finally have lunch. Yeah. I mean, you, who knows? I probably hit the wall already. Or I'm like, you could feel for me. It's like you feel your eye sockets kind of going in because your body is overworked. You're not fueled, mm-hmm. not uh, properly um, giving yourself the nutrition you need to just go through a normal day. But this is normal. What I just described. Yeah. It's totally normal. If I described it in that context, oh, this is a typical day. I don't eat lunch until noon. If I remember it all, I've got some snacks in the drawer. That's totally normal. Yeah, and it's doable. Like, you could do it, and you can run a marathon like that. Like, just because you hit the wall doesn't mean you're not going to finish. But if you would properly fuel yourself throughout the day, getting to the finish line, getting to the end of the day, you won't feel so But describing it in the context of a a marathon. Mm Mm-hmm. Take fuel packets with you. Give yourself fuel. Every th- that seems like, oh, yeah, of course. It's common sense. But throughout our day-to-day, mm-hmm. we don't think about it that way. It's because it's, no, the other one's normal. Yeah. That's what I do. That's <laughs> what everyone should do. Back to the parallel. My favorite author, Seth Godin, has this, um, writes a blog every single day. Talk about marathon. Every day, seven days a week writes a blog and emails it out to whoever subscribes to it. He also has like 17 bestsellers. One in one of his blogs, he, he says, you wouldn't say to a running coach, help me finish a marathon without getting tired because everyone knows you can't run a marathon without getting tired. Where do you put the tired? It begs the question. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to get tired. Where do you put the tired? How do you react to this? I think you put it in your pocket. (laughs) Right. Like in all honesty, I think I'm a big believer of like you get feedback, positive or negative from all over every different person, just like you're going to get tired. I think it's very important. Like you acknowledge it. Like I'm tired. I get I'm tired. And then you like stamp on what you're going to do about it. But I'm going to keep running. So I'm going to put the tired. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put in my pocket. Just like you get some sort of negative feedback. Like, oh, that made me feel like awful. Like I didn't do a great job on whatever assignment. So you visually... Like, see yourself putting it in your pocket? I will, like, I acknowledge it, and then, like, you can, like, wash it blow away, but, like, I'll put it in my pocket, yeah. Because I don't, like, I'll save it. It'll be here later. Is it true that you can't run a marathon without getting tired? I think if you are running to a goal pace that you want to run at, yes, you have to be tired. I do think you can accomplish a distance 
of a marathon mm. and not be fully flat out tired. So if you're really accomplishing it, then you're going to be tired. Yeah. I think that's like anything. If you're going to put in the hard work, like it's going to be tiring. And then so knowing that right mm-hmm. out of the gate and having yep. a strategy for not if I get tired, but when I get tired, where do you put the tired? What's, what is the strategy? That Before I started running, I read this. Obviously, mm-hmm. since I've revisited a bunch. Where do you think you put the tired? <laughs> There's two two things. One is tired. One is bored, mm-hmm. which I've learned. I'm not tired, but I'm just I'm bored of this thing already. Mm-hmm. What do you do about it? Yeah, I had the audio book playing, but I'm not even listening maybe because yeah. it's just like my mind is zeroed out. Um, I wrote one of the posts I wrote was about this. And this is another one about a systems check. One thing to do is a systems check. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, back to presence. Acknowledge I'm tired. Where is my head? Am I looking down? Is my chin like toward my chest? Lift up your head like going through everything like a full body scan. Um, uh, yep. And that's something you mentioned also, uh, when I was running the half marathon. So I'll tell you my version, then you can fill in any of the gaps, lift your head, stare out into the distance, not out at the street. Mm-hmm. How's your breathing back to the, the flowers and candles, three of those, no mm-hmm. matter where I'm at, just <sighs> three of those keep my head up. How's my breathing? What are my hands doing? If they're stiff. So one of the things that for me helps is getting into an efficient mode. And that means bringing my shoulders down Mm -hmm. because when I'm (laughs) tired and breathing heavy, my shoulders go up towards my ear. So on one of my exhales, just bringing them down and keeping them down, letting them relax, making sure my hands are pumping because sometimes I'll just hold them there, which is fine too. They just kind of bounce with my rhythm, but now actively pump. And then I pretend like my hands are puppet strings for my legs. And then I notice where are my feet striking? Like really down to what part of my foot is hitting the pavement, left, right, left, right, which one? And then checking in with the breath, checking in with where my head is, making sure my shoulders are down, going through it all again. Mm -hmm. And you do that, I don't know how long it actually takes. A couple minutes. Maybe. If you like really just slow things down and go through each one. And then all of a sudden you're good. Mm -hmm. That's one place to put it. Another one. I just start cussing like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) The hill. So what? So on my long runs, one of my routes is to get to Flamingo and 215. And there's the 215 trail. For those who don't know, it's on the west side of the 215. And it's, it's an incline from Flamingo up to Sahara, which is the exit where my house is. And it's, that's no joke. It's a no joke incline. Yeah. And I start cussing at it. And if my knee hurts, I cuss at the knee. If I'm tired, I say, fuck, you're tired. <laughs> fuck your knee. Fuck this hill. Fuck all you guys. Let's go. I let out. I, I, sh- I shout out. And I, <laughs> then later I, I laugh. It's like the people on the other side of the wall, <laughs> if they happen to be in their backyard, <laughs> what's going again. on back there? This guy. What is going on back there? What is he? Who is that? Other stuff. I mean, like I think about um, the movie 300 and some of King Leonidas's lines. We hold them here. He gives this riveting speech. Like we're holding it here and just making sure I have my breath. That's where a lot of my consciousness goes on that hill. It's interesting because I never thought about what anybody else does 
like what do during you do? the stressful parts. I um I do a handful of things. Now that we're like we know each other, yeah. we're, we're sharing and like, open and honesty. <laughs> I <laughs> like I genuinely love song lyrics, like the lyrics of a song. Maybe a little bit more than the actual like sound, but the I think it's like po- poetry. And before every run, I'll listen to a song and like key onto usually like the chorus or something that's catchy and just repeat it like in my head, like the song lyric over and over and over again. Or I play a game. Do you have a go-to song? It depends on whatever is current. So I'll, I'm a huge Halsey fan. Like every song I know, it's probably my favorite artist. So a lot of her stuff I'll listen to ahead of time, which like kind of like amps me up, gets me excited. And then it like sticks in my head. So that's my go-to. If I'm running a race, I find people. So it's like. Oh, yeah. You told me about this one. I pick them off in my head. I'll pick them off. Talk talk about that. What is picking people off? um, So picking people off is finding somebody in front of you. Ideally, you want them to be going about the same pace as you. So you just kind of stay in like lockstep with them. Maybe they're like four feet. But then slowly making gains on them to catching them and then passing them. And so like I'll just go in my head like tick. Like. I picked them off and now like I'm in front of that person and then you find the new person. And usually this is like, this shows I'm a bad person. Anybody in costume or like out there having like a great time, you know, wearing like funky headpiece, whatever. Those are the ones I'm like, oh no, this is not fun. Like we're here to race. So like those are the ones. If anybody is in like a tutu or sparkly like head headband with ears like i can't i can't handle it like i will sprint to catch you because i'm like you can't be having fun while i'm suffering so yeah. there was an elvis with a red microphone on the rock and roll half that i yeah. picked off yeah it didn't feel good too oh, i was like the elvis is not beating me today <laughs> yeah there was a guy that was towards the end of the run the elvis the, in the middle of the run old guy like 70s maybe and I'm like, all right, that's that's going to be my guy. He was out in front of me, so mm-hmm. he was he was running pretty quick. So I'm like trying to catch him, and I cannot catch this guy. And I'm going, I'm going, I'm fighting for it. I'm, I'm like, man, I picked the wrong guy. <laughs> like I thought I could catch him, so I did finally catch him. And then he turns left because he was running the 10k. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no wonder he's yeah. going so fast. <laughs> Seventy year old guy. So this whole. Uh, uh, entire body check or systems mm-hmm. check the parallel to life. I hired a productivity coach in 2020. Mm-hmm. This guy named Bruce Breyer, he's since retired. And one of the things he talked to me about during the course of your day, give me an acronym W T R T T D. Okay. And then add the words right now. W T R T T D right now. W- Any what guesses? The- that's good. Those those are W-T-R. right. WTR. Yeah. What the R? I don't know. What's, what's the, the right thing oh, to do the... right now? Ah. Oh, yeah, that's good. And he talks a lot about you prioritize your day first. You define the top three things that you need to do and complete today for today to be productive. But throughout the day, you can ask yourself, what's the right thing to do right now? Like if you're going from task to task, or maybe you just lost the rhythm of the day. Sounds like running, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. What's the right thing to do right now? That's my tie-in. It's to, a good to one. To a systems check. Yeah. The systems checks are great because they also like get your head back in it, right? I'm, I can sense, 
like in the next morning, if I've had like a really hard run, sometimes, like you said, I'll mm-hmm. bring my shoulders up. That's like my cue of you're really tired and getting lazy on your form. So doing that and like, I also think like I have string coming from my head like I'm a puppet and it's like pulling me up to keep my posture long. So those, yeah, the stupid things, like if anybody heard what goes on in my head while I'm running, they'd be just like, she needs to be committed. She is crazy. But you have to kind of do that stuff to like, Get your mind back in it and your body relaxed and to keep moving forward. It's like yeah, very stressful. I got crazy <laughs> stuff going on through yeah. my head too. I'm okay with it. Uh, like three more. I think we have three more. Here's one okay. I haven't really talked about, but I've thought a lot about. Blisters and cramps. Mm. When I started running, I got blisters, like running two miles. Um. There was a certain run on a Saturday. I dropped my son off at Angel Park and I'd go run around there. And there's this part where slight uphill, I'd start getting a cramp right there. Blisters and cramps. It turns out if you have blisters when you're running, you're doing something wrong. If you get cramps when you're running, you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. What causes blisters? What causes cramps? So cramps, usually dehydration. Usually, again, like all this... Like, see a podiatrist for your feet. See your general practitioner for your... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not a doctor. Um, but I if I'm dehydrated mm. or maybe I'm sensitive to caffeine, so if I have, like, a lot of caffeine, I'll start to feel, like, the cramp. And the cramp is just, like, in your abdomen, like, on the side. And usually, like, you can, like, push in and, like, massage it and it kind of, like, breaks while, it up. While you're running? While you're running, okay. yeah. Like, get those fingers in there. But usually cramps are from dehydration of some sort. So, so if you hydrate properly, yeah. you shouldn't get cramps. What about blisters? Do you know how to tell if you're hydrated? Do you remember? You check your pee. Yeah, you check You've your pee. You've said that so many times to me. Runners like to talk <laughs> I'm about... Like, why does she keep talking about pee? <laughs> Runners like, no, I'm looking for like some some silver bullet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for like this product no one knows about. Mm-hmm. About no, you're like check your pee. Yeah, check your pee. Very light. Check your pee. Light. Check your pee. Yellow. <laughs> it's it. It's perfect though, is it not? It's a telltale sign every single time. Mm-hmm. Blisters are a different one. Blisters are usually from moisture and like the skin rubbing. So shoes are very important. Make sure you're like properly fitted. We all have different feet. I wear Asics. Somebody else wears Nikes. I can't wear Nikes. They're too narrow. So going to like a running store to have somebody give you an assessment and recommend a shoe for you, depending on how you run. Um, Never choose your shoes based off of how they look. It's the wrong way to do it. And then socks. So making sure your shoes fit properly. Usually you size up like a half a size. So if you normally wear a size. I made that mistake. Yeah. You wear a size 10 in your Mm -hmm. normal everyday shoes. You want to get a 10 and a half. Uh, and then your socks don't, uh, in general, never wear cotton. Like cotton's like the worst thing you can wear anywhere on your body for running. So and, the, the 16 pack at Costco for, for <laughs> twelve ninety nine yeah, is just it. not going to cut it. Not, not for running for everyday life. Sure. How much is a pair of running socks? Uh, mm-hmm. 15 bucks. A pair. A pair. I know this. Yeah. You can find them sometimes on sale for like twelve fifty <laughs> REI. If you, Ooh, if, that's a big discount. Yeah. Well, ugly colors. I found them for like ten dollars. I, I love a good sale. So, and when they're mm-hmm. on sale, you buy the same one, like twenty of them. Obviously, I did that because I don't want to have to go through the laundry. Yeah, and and pair different pairs of socks. Yep. But this, to me, I thought a lot about. It happens during running. You think about that commonly, right? But in life. How many times do you run into your own blisters and cramps with relationships, with finances, with uh, professional development? And we just say, this is how it is. You just accept it versus 
if you have blisters and cramps, you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And you might need to level up. You might need to spend the 15 bucks for a single pair of socks instead of what you're used to and your, your comfort zone around the Costco 16 pack for 15 bucks. Yep. And also asking for help. I think that's a key thing. Say more about that. Yeah. I think in running, I mean, I, as you, as I shared, I used to run without a watch and assume like my pace is my pace. There's no differentiation for whatever I'm doing. And then you start educating yourself, asking other people who are better than you at that. Like a coach? Like a coach, hiring somebody and learning things that will make you a better runner or a better professional or better in whatever area of your life. I, I do, I'm a strong believer in helping others, but also asking for help and not being ashamed to ask for, for help. We talked a lot about what, before I move on, amen to that, ask for help. We talked a lot about men, the mental part of this and mm-hmm. how crazy we both are apparently. <laughs> um, running mental versus physical. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? I think running is at least 50%, if not more, mental than physical. I think our bodies are capable of doing amazing things, and I truly don't believe we tap into its potential, their potential, as much as we could because our brains get in the way to kind of like knock us down, like say, yeah, we can't do that, or you can't go that far, you can't go that fast. So running, I think, is a great way to start building your mental ability to push yourself further to teach yourself how to like speak positively to yourself and you know congratulate yourself push yourself cheer yourself on any of that stuff to make you get to whatever goal you can because i don't know about you but like yes after like your 60 miles your body is sore but you know you probably could have kept going if you wanted to if you knew you had to do if i came in at 16 and said actually you have to do 17 a couple weeks before i ran 18 and i didn't get that to that level of i don't say pain but it was like dude this is brutal right now Mm -hmm. but i did 18 just like last week what's the difference between the two miles and to me it's really your your mental ending point Mm -hmm. i know i'm running 18 today so i'm not going to start really hurting like this until mile 16 but now it's 16 miles, so I'm not going to really start hurting like this until it's mile 15 and a half, literally mile 15. The absurdness of <laughs> I have been running for 15 and a half miles, and now my body decides to say that's your limit. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go another half a mile. So I cussed at myself again, like I yeah. talked about earlier, and it was like, we are, it's 16 today. We're going to 16. Yep. And it's, it's, that's the mental part. Mm hmm. And it's truly just getting your, your mind like, yep, we're doing it. We're going to do it. Because your body will do it. Your body has no problem doing it. It will still push. It's your mind that's the one that turns off first. Like, no, let's stop. You're tired. You don't want to do this. It's, if you can like, change how you think, like, no, we're going to do it. And that's why it's like, we're not going to run 26.2. We're going to run 26.3. We're not going to you know, just do a 10-miler. We're going to run you know, 10.2. Because then you've got to finish that distance in your head. So where has that translated for you in, in life mentally? Um, knowing that I can do hard things, things that in the moment I'm very much overwhelmed by, but when I like take a deep breath, relax my body, like knowing, like putting it into perspective, like this is the plan. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to get to the end 
of whatever difficult challenge I have, whether it's personal or professional, is like calming myself down, like crying it about it internally, and then like taking the step forward and saying, these are the steps you need to do. Write them down, and then let's do it. Like, get on it. Like, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Move forward. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I texted you the first 16-mile distance that I had to do. I said, what's your wisdom for this one? Mm-hmm. And you said... Um, break it down to two mile increments and have a plan for every two miles. Mm -hmm. Mile one to two is one increment mile two to four mile four to six. Cause you know, you can run two miles. Yeah. So just think about it as if it's 16 miles, you have eight increments, two miles each and you break it down that way and think about those increments. And the way I did, I said, okay, miles one miles one and two, just get into the run. Ease into it. I know my my body starts waking up at mile two ish or so. So just get get into the run. Mile two to four, posture. Keep your posture. Mile four to six, it was breath. And I can I every one of those, I gave myself a little um, objective. You know what's funny? Yesterday, I stopped with the objective after mile fourteen. You know what you do? What you go back down the hill. So like four, like thirteen point one, you're halfway. Mm-hmm. You go back down the hill. So just do it in reverse. Oh, I see. Yeah. Ease into got yep. it. Because oh, think about that? by the end that you're at your twenty four miles. <laughs> how many times have you run two miles? Just keep. Yeah. You can do it. You've run two miles a million times. Just, you'll be done after two miles. Just yeah. I always on the. It was funny because at the half marathon, I hit mile 10 and I'm just like, this is stupid. Like, I hate this. And then like my very next thought is you just signed up for a marathon. You have like 16 more miles. You're like nuts. But (laughs) as I run the marathon, I think like just get to the halfway point because like in my mind, I have me like running up a hill and then at the halfway, like I get to run down the hill and it's like, just get over the hill because then it's like you're doing less. Like, okay, only seven miles to go. Yeah. Only six miles. It's yeah. just like so... When the, when the app comes in, halfway point. Yeah, you're like, yeah, yes. halfway point. <laughs> then I yell out a big, let's go! Yeah. <laughs> and the neighbors go crazy. <laughs> one of my absolute favorites, mm-hmm. nothing new on race day. Yeah. Are you going to parallel to life? or? Do you I have to... one, yeah, yeah. I have a parallel. <laughs> I love this it. This one's going to come through the other side door. Nothing new on race day. So we train for... I think your training cycle is 14 weeks because we took off. We started from the half. But normal, like, marathon training cycle is, like, 18. And the reason we do it for so long is, one, to get, like, our body, the skeletal and the muscular and our cardio, like, all in shape to run this distance. But also to practice different things, different fueling, different outfits, hydration. And the goal is after all these weeks of probably failures along the way of – I. I need more water or I hate this goo to come to race day and you have exactly what you need to be successful. So the outfit you pick isn't going to chafe. It's going to feel good. You can store all your gels. The shoes are broken in. They're comfortable. Um, you have a plan. You, you have your music or your audio book. Everything is exactly the way you want it because when you change one thing, like the cards kind of tumble, right? Like you pull out one of like those blocks like Jenga and then just comes down so nothing new on race day is truly like getting to like the ideal start system for yourself and having like a proper plan to make sure you can see the whole run through. So if you're not a pro runner mm-hmm. 
and you're doing this and you tell people I'm doing my first half marathon, I'm doing my first marathon, you start getting a ton of advice. Mm -hmm. To me, this was a place to rest my confidence and thank you for the advice, but nothing new on race day. Uh, Oh, you know what you should do? You should tape your joints. I've never done that before. I'm sure it's wonderful. Yeah. Nothing new on race day. Yep. Um, You know what you should do? Or when I ran my half marathon, uh, I crumbled after mile 10. I really had to fight for it. I don't want that experience. That's not going to be my experience. Nothing new on race day. That was one of them for me. It's You get so much different advice from so many people. Beet juice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's... That one actually came from a real runner. Yeah. That I, I know is a, like accomplished runner, so I, there's some credibility. Yeah. But still, uh, I don't know if and it's for me. that's great. But you should probably introduce before, it before. Yeah, well, that, before, today's not yeah, the day for that. Correct, because who knows no, what you don't want at mile ten to be like. Oh, I feel so bad from that beach juice. Yeah, not related to this, but you said earlier you can't trust the first mile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A friend of mine, when I said I'm running my first half marathon, he said uh, never trust a fart after mile nine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that might be oversharing, but it was so funny. I feel like in the running community, there's a lot of that. (laughs) That's really funny. Um, So my parallel is a little different, parallel to life. Nothing new on race day is not necessarily nothing new on the day of the big presentation. Mm -hmm. It really is uh, get to a level of preparedness where you don't have to worry about introducing anything new on race day. You're going in for a promotion. Be prepared for that. You're, you've got the big pitch. Be prepared for that. That to me is the tie into life and success. Yeah. Prepare appropriately. Yep. Don't show up unprepared. I think is a, a good way. Cause nothing worse than like getting a chafe somewhere on mile three and then having to deal with it for 23 more miles. It's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about, uh, practicing things by half marathon training there was a lot of issues blisters my achilles i went to the orthopedist and he gave me insoles Mm -hmm. and i ran with them and it was like the worst blistering i i'm not doing that i feel like i I was looking back i had a lot of trial and error Mm -hmm. not so much in this cycle no the marathon yeah no and um another thing you said like what you're capable of Based on the running that I've done, I set a goal for myself. As you remember, I want to run the half marathon under 10 minutes average per mile. I ended up doing it in 922 average, which was two hours, two seconds, and sorry, two hours, two minutes, and like 37 seconds. And that's great. And I celebrate it. And I'm like, I could have done it under (laughs) two hours. I could have found two (laughs) minutes or so somewhere in there. And I could have done it. I didn't know that though. I didn't know I was capable. The other thing that baffles me still, February 27th of this year, which was a couple months ago, I ran my first half marathon. I completed the most athletic feats probably of my life. And I've run six or seven of those since. Yep. That's crazy. More actually, but like the equivalent of that more since. Um, When I complete my marathon, you're saying I'm going to start having this kind of thinking. I don't know. I think most people usually stop at the marathon. They're, it's 
it's a very far distance. I don't care what anybody says. It is a long way to go. It's a long way to drive, let alone to <laughs> run. So I think it just depends on the person. I, I've always been very fascinated with ultras. I think people who run them, like, I don't get it. I, like, and I, for me, it was more of, can you do it? Not, can you do it in a certain time? Mm-hmm. But like, can you just physically do it? What are you going to do with Because I don't run with music. And even on the 50 miles, like, I would promise myself, okay, at mile 30, you can pull out. Because I don't run with a phone. I have nothing. I have a watch. I have a hat. And that is it. And it would be like, just get to 30 miles. And then you can go get your phone and, like, plug in. And then I get to mile 30. be like, no, no. Like, you don't need that. Like, mile four. It's just, you know, what do you do with your your head? I'm very, like, interested in, like, where do people's minds go? And I wanted to know, like, where do I go when I think about, like, eight hours and 40 minutes running around a loop like could I physically do that and mentally do that it's like a full day's work yeah and I finished I remember like I thought about the hundred and then my kids I told my kids oh we're so excited and my daughter's like well I guess you have to run a hundred now and I was just thinking like <laughs> I wasted a whole day like in my mind I wasted is the words I chose which mm-hmm. you know I don't know what that says about me but like <laughs> I wasted a whole day running around a loop like could I do like that's nuts. That's a whole day of <laughs> running. So I was like, well, maybe not a hundred. That's that's a lot of time. That's a huge time commitment. But is there a race on your bucket list? Um, I would genu- genuinely like to run New York. I'm very intimidated by the majors. So the majors are in domestically are Boston, New York, and Chicago. Globally, it would also include like Tokyo, Berlin, and London. They're the six majors, and. I've done Chicago and Boston. New York, the logistics part of it freaks me out. Like, I don't know how to catch the ferry, and I have to get from... Like, I'm very... I hate to drive, and, like, the logistics of... You need a logistics coach for that one. (laughs) I get very overwhelmed (laughs) by the logistics of getting to the race, and New York would be great just to do it, to say I did it and experience it, because I think that's probably one of the more popular ones out of the rest of them. I wouldn't mind doing, like, Berlin or even Paris. Something overseas would be fun i think kind of like double it up with a trip of some sort we talked a lot about a lot of sayings Mm -hmm. a lot of phrases you can only pick one what's your number one running saying or phrase that you'd put on a bumper sticker Mm. gosh i feel like you should have prepared me for this i think it's you can do hard things i say it in my head more than i say it out loud but I do think we don't give ourselves the credit we deserve or the respect that we deserve. I don't think we believe in ourselves enough to really take on some challenges in our lives. But knowing that we're capable of it. And then once you do it, you're like, oh, I should have done that like years ago. Or Should have ran it in know, two hours. Yeah, I should yeah, I should have, <laughs> should have, would have, could have. But I think in those moments, it's, like you can do this you are capable of hard things you've done hard things before you will do hard things so just like you know get it done so if someone listening is wanting to do some hard things and they want to maybe work with you or talk to you maybe about working with you how do they find you so i work with a company called team run run and you can find me online at their website i'm the only nevadan nevada nevadan 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 coach um so yeah, so you would register with Team Run Run and find me. I have my own link. Or you can find me on Instagram at, at MC underscore run some more. Where I'm building my social media. 
profile. <laughs> Making an attempt, at least. So. I mean, you're full of content, clearly. Uh, yeah, we, there's a lot in my head. <laughs> as, as we talked about. So, yeah, I'm always up for advice, giving advice, suggestions, help. If you're looking for a personal coach, I could do that as well. But, yeah, it's truly my – like, my only hobby is running, which – and travel, but primarily running. Running and travel together. Yeah. Like you talked about. Well, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.